This is Barry Zelma speaking for Claim School Incorporated's blog, Zelma on Insurance. Today it's time to talk about the covenant of good faith and fair dealing and the created by courts tort of bad faith. The implied covenant of good faith and fair dealing is a concept of insurance law at least three centuries old. It first appeared in British jurisprudence in a case decided by Lord Mansfield, sitting in the House of Lords as the highest court in Britain. In the case called Carter v. Beam, 3 Borough, 1905, Lord Mansfield explained that insurance is a contract upon speculation, the special facts upon which the contingent chance is to be computed lie most commonly in the knowledge of the insured only. The underwriter trusts to his representation and proceeds upon confidence that he does not keep back any circumstance in his knowledge to mislead the underwriter into a belief that the circumstances does not exist and to induce him to estimate the risk as if it did not exist. The keeping back such circumstance is fraud, and therefore the policy is void. Although the suppression should happen through mistake without any fraudulent intention, yet still the underwriter is deceived and the policy is void because the risk is run is really different from the risk understood and intended to be run at the time of the agreement, and the contract of insurance is always founded on good faith. Lord Mansfield stated the rule followed to this day as follows, quote, Good faith forbids either party by concealing what he privately knows to draw the other into a bargain from his ignorance of that fact and his believing the contrary. Now, the duty to act in good faith is imposed on the insurer as well as the insured, and the implied covenant explains that no party to a contract of insurance should do anything to deprive the other of the benefits of the contract. For insurance to work, for each insurer to properly evaluate the risk presented, for each insurer to obtain the insurance desired, and for each insured and insurer to resolve all claims fairly and equitably, they must treat each other with the utmost good faith and do nothing, nothing to deprive the other of the benefits of the contract. It's a mutual duty. Promises made by both the insurer and the insured to each other. Each party to the contract of insurance is expected to treat the other fairly in the acquisition and performance of the contract. For example, the prospective insured is required to answer all questions about the risk he, she, or it are asking the insurer to take and about the person the insurer is asked to insure. Similarly, the insurer must honestly, clearly, and in good faith explain to the insureds the risk the insurer is willing to take and the terms, conditions, and provisions of the contract of insurance. After years of what was believed to be abuse by insurers, the tort of bad faith was created. 
Now, a tort is a civil wrong from which one person can receive damages from another for multiple injuries to person or property. It is not a pastry. Insurance from its inception was always a contract, the breach of which was resolved by con traditional contract damages. Since the first policy written on a clay tablet three, three to 5,000 years ago, if the insurer failed to pay a claim, the person insured could sue and only receive the indemnity promised by the contract of insurance and nothing more than prejudgment or post-judgment interest. In addition, since the idea of insurance started, its practitioners and those insured understood insurance to be a business of the utmost good faith. Such a requirement was rooted in the practical wisdom, recognizing that an insurer often lacked the ability to verify the insured's representations before issuing a policy. This practical wisdom still rings true when applied to marine insurance, an industry in which, for example, a policy may have been issued in London on a time-sensitive basis for a vessel berth halfway across the globe in a time uh, of Lord Mansfield, for example, where it would take months for information to return from the place where the insurance was to be performed and the fact of a particular loss. American courts first recognized the doctrine of uberime fide, Latin for utmost good faith in connection with marine insurance contracts in the early 19th century. The judicial basis for the creation of the tort of bad faith was justified because the court concluded from the evidence produced that the insurer failed to treat an insured fairly and in good faith. The court felt that the traditional contract damages were insufficient to properly compensate the insured. And by so doing, the courts that accepted the existence of a tort of bad faith did away with centuries of insurance jurisprudence and allowed the insured to receive, in addition to the contract damages that the insured was entitled to receive under the contract, had the insurer treated the insured fairly, tort damages to punish the insurer for its wrongful acts. Insureds Lawyers for insureds, regulators, and courts across the United States cheered the action of the California Supreme Court for providing a fair remedy to abused insureds. Most of the states emulated the California Supreme Court and adopted the tort created by the Supreme Court of California, and others did so either by statute or court decisions following the California court. After the creation of the tort of bad faith, if an insurer and insured disagreed on the application of the policy to the factual situation, damages were no longer limited to contract damages as in other commercial relationships. If the court found that the insurer was wrong, it could require an insurer to pay the contract amount plus, plus damages for emotional distress, pain, suffering, punishment damages, attorney's fees, and any other damages 
the insured and the court could conceive in order to deter other insurers from treating their insureds badly. The good intentions of the courts and regulators led to thousands of lawsuits that they believed would deter wrongful conduct. The courts and legislators adopting the tort of bad faith hoped that the tort of bad faith would have a salutary effect on the insurance industry and force insurers to treat their insureds fairly. However, contrary to the honest and good faith intent of the court, the good intention was contradicted by intelligent lawyers who caused denial of a claim for $40 wrongfully denied to result in $5 million verdicts. People were out to get rich suing insurance companies. Juries, unaware of the reason and operation of insurance, decided that insurers that did not pay claims were evil and that they wrote contracts so that they never had to pay. The jurors were convinced it was appropriate to punish insurers severely, even when the insurer's conduct was correct and proper under the terms and conditions of the contract. The jurors and judges were not informed that over the centuries insurers paid out more in claims and expenses than they took in in premiums, making profits only by wisely investing the premiums they held in reserve to pay claims. The massive judgments were publicized, and many insurers decided fighting their insurance in court was too expensive, regardless of how correct their position was in the contract. They found it less expensive to pay than to fight, just as shop owners threatened by the mafia decided it was better to pay protection to the mob rather than fight their claims for protection money. Most of the massive verdicts were reversed or reduced on appeal. The bad actors raised their premiums and lost little business. Other insurers faced with the massive verdicts allowed fear to control reason and paid claims that were improper or fraudulent. The extra cost was passed on to all insurance consumers. The insurers who acted improperly were punished less than the honest insurers who were threatened with punitive damages. The insurers who treated their insurers badly in fact profited since they continued their wrongful acts and only were required to pay the few insureds that sued. Those that did not sue added to the wrongdoing insurers' profit margins. Honest insurers paid frauds and, and claims they did not owe and found they needed to raise premium charges to cover the extra expense. The increased premium paid by insureds to cover the extra expense were a clear example of the effect of the law of unintended consequences. The honest insurers who treated their insureds with good faith and fair dealing and who paid off fraudsters and paid uncovered claims to avoid bad faith suits needed to charge more than the bad faith insurers who litigated with their insureds. When I was a young law student, we were taught to either sue in tort and waive the assumption contracts if you had the facts and the law available to do so. That's no longer the law with regard to contracts of insurance, but not so with regard to any other contracts. Every insurance professional 
Every insurance coverage lawyer, every plaintiff's bad faith lawyer, and every insurance claims person must now know about the tort of bad faith and do everything possible to avoid it. Each party to the contract of insurance is expected to treat the other fairly in the acquisition and performance of the contract. For example, the prospective insured is required to answer all questions about the risk he, she, or it are asking the insurer to take and about the person the insurer is asked to insure. Similarly, the insurer must honestly, clearly, and in good faith explain to the insureds the risk the insurer is willing to take and the terms and conditions and provisions of the contract of insurance. This video is adapted from my book, The Tort of Bad Faith, which is available as a hardcover, a paperback, and a Kindle book from Amazon.com. And it is also adapted from this blog posting, which is available to anyone who clicks on the URL zalma.com slash blog. If you found this video and this blog posting to be interesting or of use to you, please subscribe and please tell your friends and colleagues to subscribe so that they can also take advantage of the more than 4,400 blog postings at zalma.com and the videos available at rumble.com and youtube.com. And if you watch the video at Rumble or YouTube, please click on the Rumble button and the YouTube button to express your interest. And also, subscribe to the videos on each of the services, rumble.com or youtube.com and also consider subscribing to my locals community and my substack publications for additional uh, interesting videos and blog postings and postings of insurance law for a very small fee thank you for your attention